Welcome to Talking Shop from Vixen Labs, the podcast making voice work for marketers. In this series, we dive into the data, scour the case studies, and bring you the business insights you need to build voice into your digital and marketing strategies. I'm your host, James Poulter, CEO at Vixen Labs, and each week I'll be joined by industry leaders to help us get really practical when it comes to building voice into your marketing strategy. Whether you're wondering how voice search can help customers find you, or how voice applications can enable you to connect and convert customers, well, this is the show for you. Okay, let's get talking. The healthcare sector has embraced voice-assisted technology like no other. A hands-free solution being used in hospitals, by doctors, but also by families and individuals in their own homes. As people start making steps to accessing healthcare information and using voice-assisted devices, well, what are the key issues that face the industry? Our data from the recent VCI report that we've just released showed that 60% of voice users named scheduling an appointment with a doctor or a practitioner as that top priority task for healthcare. And we want to look today at how the healthcare sector is changing to accommodate voice and provide access to healthcare services. You know, the willingness of voice users to search for symptoms and learn about a disease is really high. And we want to know what challenges and opportunities does that present to the healthcare sector? As voice becomes ever present in all of our lives, what does healthcare really need to do when it comes to voice to help patients, to help practitioners along the way? And this is a big subject and we need a lot of experience in it to really get into that. And we've got that today for you in the form of our guest. I'm really excited to get into this topic this week. And I'm joined by an expert in the field of healthcare, Mr. Harry P. Pappas, founder and CEO of the Intelligent Health Association, serial entrepreneur, friend of the royal family even, who he was telling me earlier, and uh, definitely an expert in the world of health tech. And uh, we're so pleased that you could join us. Just give us a little bit of introduction to yourself and maybe a bit of background on how you ended up working in the world of health and voice. Thank you, JP. I really got involved in, in the health and wellness uh, community, uh, first in the U.S. and then Canada and then around the world, because of what happened to my mother. And I, I saw the state of healthcare in the United States. Uh, I saw how uh, the industry could be improved with the adoption of technology. I then saw the, the second part of health and wellness community when my mother was living in an assisted living nursing home environment. So I saw the disaster that was happening there. And what drove me into healthcare, because I'm basically an entrepreneur utilizing technology to improve uh, the enterprise, whether it's Marks and Spencer or whether it's Carrefour or Walmart or any of these companies, I started out using RFID technology 1995. And I realized that a lot of the programs, a lot of the projects that we were doing for the commercial enterprise and the military should be used in a hospital setting. So when I saw the situation in the healthcare community, I complained uh, to a number of people and they said, well, if, if you know that much, why don't you jump in and help the community? So I did. I started divesting myself of, of companies and decided that I wanted to make a change. So we started initially, uh, I guess about 15 years ago, with a, a new organization called the RFID 
in healthcare consortium. How do we educate hospitals to use this technology to improve patient care, patient safety, and to reduce the cost of operations? Harry, give me a practical example. What did that mean in, in those days? You know, RFID, most of us know this as something that's you know, in our credit cards or it's in our you know, passes. How was that being used in healthcare then? How's it used in healthcare? Everything from a patient wristband to tracking equipment. Where's my infusion pump? Where's a gurney? And, and it goes on and on and on. And recently, um, there's a, a, an integration going on with a couple of new companies of voice and RFID. Oh, really? Okay. Well, t- tell us about that. Give us, a, give us some example. Well, well, there's a lot going on. So let me, let me, let me jump and, and tell you how important voice is to the health and wellness community around the world. It's not about just what we're doing in the United States. It's how do we use voice along with other technologies on a global level to deliver quality healthcare. And I just had this discussion with two international companies yesterday. They said, what's this voice thing all about? I said, well, what do you mean? He said, what is it? I said, do you have a smart speaker at home? Oh, yeah, we got four of them. I said, do you know that you can use that in an operating room? Do you know that you can use that in a patient room? Do you know that you can use that to brand the hospital? And this C-suite executive was totally confused because he just couldn't imagine the use of a smart speaker in an operating room. Okay. So let me tell you how I got involved in voice. About four years ago, I was um, visiting my son's home and his wife speaks to this cylindrical device sitting on the kitchen table. I watched her uh, talk to this device and place an order for diapers. And then two minutes later, she says, I want to hear this song. And I was mesmerized, mesmerized. And I said, well, wait a minute. Can I ask it a question? And my daughter-in-law said, absolutely. So I said to this device, what is the temperature in Athens, Greece? And within two seconds, the device tells me what the temperature is and the weather in Athens, Greece. I got blown away. And then I said to the device, what is diabetes? And there was silence, okay? I don't have an answer to that. I'm sorry. Immediately, though, I saw the future. I saw how this device could be adopted in healthcare, but not only in healthcare, but many, many industries. I then, because I made a, a promise to my mother to transform healthcare, I saw how I could use voice along with other complementary technologies to improve healthcare. So the way I see voice in health and wellness, and I'll start with, with um, the, the, the provider. In the United States, there are tre- tremendous competitive forces market by market because Hospital A or Hospital B is running advertisements on television for you to go to that hospital for cancer treatment. Another hospital is running advertising for diabetes. 
So there's a tremendous competitive environment, city by city, hospital by hospital. So hospitals spend a fortune on advertising and have very uh, extensive websites. Yeah, and I think it's it's worth it's worth saying, Harry, that yeah, as you're explaining this, yeah, for those of us that may be listening outside of the US, this is quite an interesting phenomenon for those of us that have public health care because you know, the idea of a hospital advertising itself or a you know a, a pharmaceutical company advertising you know kind of drugs and things we've all heard those terrible radio and tv commercials that you know are 30 seconds of you know kind of creative and then another minute and a half of symptoms that may or may not happen to you if you take the drug but you know for for most of us you know we don't have to you know we don't listen to this kind of thing so it's it's important to emphasize isn't it that in the US in particular uh, and Canada to a certain extent there is this massive you know kind of opportunity in front of us for healthcare providers when it comes to changing their advertising structure it's correct and so i i think where we're going to wind up is each major hospital and i won't mention any names is going to wind up having what what i call their own voice channel they're going to have their own voice brand they're going to have their own identity so if i'm shopping for a hospital to treat my diabetes, I then can ask the smart speaker, you know, what is the local hospital that has treatment for diabetes? And crucially, what's the best hospital for treatment for diabetes, which I suppose would be the, the big win, right, for a hospital in that area? Well, so one of the applications then for voice is for uh, all the major hospitals to use this platform as a marketing vehicle to the consumer, okay? Because again, the model between the UK and the US is very different. However, the consumer needs to be educated. So in a market like New York City or, or Chicago, you may have 10 hospitals with their own voice platforms, maybe their own voice devices. And, and through the voice platform, they can do consumer surveys. They can have, uh, as you said, scheduling. You, you can have a community built around a particular procedure. Like, for instance, if you're a, a stroke victim, you want to be able to talk to other stroke victims. Yeah, connecting communities around that. Yeah, you, so you can build communities ar around a given procedure. For instance, about two months ago, I went through a hip replacement. And I saw ways that we should be using voice for other people who had the same procedure to exchange information, to talk about therapy. And then there's the other piece of the voice platform. How does a hospital use voice internally? Right, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's not it's not just the patient, but it's in that kind of B two B context as well, which I want to get more into in just a moment. But let's just stick with the consumer angle for for a second here. So, we, yeah, I think you're painting this really interesting picture that voice is already becoming commonplace enough. We see this in the data, right? And you're inspired in the same way that many people are originally to get into this field by that personal experience. You saw a family member speaking to a device and like, wow, I can do that, and that's something else that other people will do too. And what we see from our data in the most recent VCI report is that within the healthcare sector in particular, the most asked for function, the, the priority activity, if you like, is people doing exactly that. You gave this example earlier about, you know, kind of what is diabetes? 
in that particular instance, that the, the device didn't have a good answer. And that is the top ranking question that everyone is asking. You know, 57% of our users that we surveyed in the US, the UK, and Germany said that they identified using a smart speaker as a symptom checker was their top priority for healthcare and voice. And very shortly after that is also learning about a disease that they may be already experiencing. So just give us a, a picture, Harry, of where you see at the moment the market in the US in terms of receptiveness to being the solution when it comes to it comes to voice. Are you seeing any brands, be that in the pharma sector or perhaps even in hospitals, where they're already beginning to get on board with this and understanding that this is the way that consumers are behaving? JP, first of all, I, I want to commend you and your team for the research you did. Um, I'm, I'm using the research. I'm telling colleagues about the research. And we need more of that. Uh, we need to get that information out to the consumer. Because there is, there is a problem in the U.S. Okay, so I have many friends who refuse to have a smart speaker in their home because of privacy concerns. So that's one of the major issues we as an industry have to educate the consumer about. And you and I are involved with the Open Voice Network, which really should be out there. We, we need to educate people. We need to educate the end user on an ongoing basis, N not once or twice, but we, we need to have an educational campaign uh, ongoing. The hospitals uh, that are using it here in the United States are ahead of the curve. For instance, Mayo Clinic. Mayo Clinic has invested a lot of money into uh, COVID. So when you go to the Amazon smart speaker and you ask it anything about COVID, that data, that information is coming from Mayo Clinic. Yeah, absolutely. We see the same thing just for those that maybe are listening in the US and aren't familiar. We have the same thing here in the in the UK. But the NHS, obviously, the National Health Service, uh, which is the public body, has also done similar things of providing lots of data first party into Amazon to, to provide that answer. So great example. Carry on, Harry. But you also have other hospitals who have jumped on board, like Boston Children's Hospital for expectant parents and you know how does how does a mother get prepared for delivery of the baby how can the mother use the device to answer questions about her pregnancy how does the mother use the, the device while she's in the hospital and then how does the mother use the device once she comes home with the baby. So it's that full that full life cycle of yeah, kind of a continuum of care. The continuum of care before, during, and after. So, and then mental health is another one. Um, alcohol addiction. There are so many areas that I see and my colleagues see that are open to the use of voice, and. You know, with voice, I don't need a laptop. I don't need a computer. I don't care how old I am. I can then use the technology. So it's, it's, it's a point about democratization and access, ultimately. Is, is that what you're saying? It's, it's, it's open 
uh, to everybody, no matter how uh, old you are or how wealthy you are, um, as long as you have the, the device, you, you should be able to get the information that you're looking for. And, you know, again, hospitals are just the beginning. You know, nursing homes, assisted living. Following the success of our first voice commerce report, we're back. I'm proud to announce the launch of the Voice Consumer Index 2021. Brought to you by the team at Vixen Labs in partnership with Open Voice Network. The Voice Consumer Index 2021 is an in-depth look at people's behaviours around voice assistance on smart speakers, mobile and web across the US, UK and Germany. The Voice Consumer Index explores seven key sectors, banking and insurance, retail, food delivery, entertainment, consumer packaged goods, healthcare and travel. And we have a host of free materials to help you get the best start. Head to vixenlabs.co to access all of the Voice Consumer Index findings. If you're after a one-to-one consultation tailored to your industry, then email us at podcast at vixenlabs.co. Include the code VIXENPOD21 in your email for a 10% discount on the consultation fee. A hospital, by using the, the voice platform for B2B uses internally, can reduce the cost of operations. For instance, if I have the device in a patient room, I have the device that's sitting in my next to my bed. Instead of calling the nurse, I can tell the device, turn on the lights, turn off the lights. I can use the device to order food, heating and air conditioning. If I want to get up and go to the bathroom, I can then use that device to call the nurse to assist me. I don't need to have a nurse call technology because nurse call technology is an expensive technology. Yeah, absolutely. And not very nuanced as well. You know, press a button for this, press a button for that. It doesn't necessarily replicate what you can say out loud, right? So if, if I can save the nurse 500 steps a day, times 365 days of the year, times 500 nurses, that's more time that the nurse has to pay attention to patients who are critically ill. And probably a lot less tired and going through a lot less pairs of crocs or sketches walking up and down the corridors of their hospitals. Absolutely. But also the patient can then communicate directly with the a physician. The family can then also uh, participate in this. And do you know what it also gets me excited about, Harry, when you were talking about this is also the difference when you move away from a very simple push a button, get a response device to one that uses language is the data that that potentially unlocks, right? If you can begin to, as a hospital, look at all of the things that patients asked, all of the things that they said in the aggregate across the year, thousands of patients coming and going. For you, you take Boston General, you gave us an example. You, these mega hospitals, thousands of patients being seen every week and every month. But you'd be able to see across the year, oh, this many people asked for food or this many people complained about this. Or, you know, you begin to have such a treasure trove of data, don't you? Yeah, JP, you're, you're right, spot on because using AI with the, the, the voice assistant, the hospital administrators can now see 
What is happening? What what is the patient experience? Where do we need to improve? So the hospital actually then has an ROI because hospitals are trying to save money, improve service. So when I speak to hospital executives, I said, you know, if you develop your own voice platform and, and let's say you spend X dollars, let me show you the ROI. Okay, staff satisfaction, the nurses, the doctors, the the patient experience, and especially here in the U.S. where there's a lot of competition between hospital A and hospital B, if the patient had a positive experience, he's going to tell his friends, hey, don't go to hospital A, go to hospital B. Because of the U.S. system, the money follows. So you know that's I think uh, an important thing for us to remind ourselves of. Now, no, I, I have to now flip this on its head though, is say if it's that simple to say, hey, hey, here's the ROI of doing this, then you know we're seeing first footsteps in it, but not an absolute tidal wave of people getting on board. So where's the where are the blockers, Harry? What's what's stopping healthcare professionals, particularly in hospitals or in the medical sector more broadly, getting on board with this faster? What can we do to help them understand it? Well, let, let me just tell you, uh, number one, it's all about education and training. Wh- what we do as an association, we're focused on educating and training the healthcare community globally to adopt new technology. If you remember many, many years ago, you could not go into a hospital with your smartphone. You could not go in with your mobile phone. You were not allowed. You got to remember also many years ago, Hospitals did not have Wi-Fi. Some of them still don't over here, so don't don't get too ahead of yourself. Okay, that's new to me. How long did it take you, JP, to adopt the email, to adopt to the internet? Yeah, I mean, not that long for me, but I think for many others, definitely it's taken some time, you know? Well, I, I think we're in for a huge revolution with voice because I don't need a keyboard. I don't need a computer. And you're using your natural given talent of speaking and talking. Now, a lot of hospitals in the U.S. are looking at what um, uh, the major hospitals are doing, like like Mayo. Yesterday, to give you an example, I was on a call with a global company dealing with robotic surgery. And I said to the CEO, you know, you should consider using voice integrated with the surgical robot. And they said, Harry, you're spot on. We're coming out with that in January. So there is a movement. We may not know about it because uh, it's company uh, secrets, competitive, okay? But there's, there's a silent revolution going on on both sides, both the consumer as well as the enterprise. We have been demonstrating the use of voice in a clinical setting at our pavilion at trade shows for four years now. Okay, so how do I use voice in an operating room? I'm going to give you an example because we're working with some uh, multinational corporations. The surgeon says to the device, what is the temperature of the room, the operating room? It's 75. Set it for 72. What are the pathogens in this room right now? What's in the air? 
what molecules are, are there any infectious molecules in the air in the OR? Let give me that report. And up on the screen in, in, in the OR, you see the report. And of course, it's worth it's worth emphasizing that some of this stuff just is way too difficult to be doing. You've got to go walk to a computer, type it in because people are scrubbed in, they're in a clean environment. You know, it's just touchless completely. It's touchless. So the surgeon knows that this is a heart procedure and it's going to take eight hours. So he says to the device, uh, for the first two hours, play Vivaldi. The next two hours, play Purcell. And the next two hours, play Handel. And, and so I want the air circulating at so many cubic feet per, per minute. So there are so many uses. But at the same time, he can also say to the device, Please, every 30 minutes, give me the patient's heartbeat, heart rate, or whatever. Or page anesthesiologist, or you know, kind of whatever it might be, right? So it's, it's the combination of these technologies between sensors, between communications, between, between voice in the room. Correct. And what's happening, JP, is that more and more technology companies are now learning to integrate voice with their medical device. And I suppose all, all of those uh, you know, that you've mentioned, particularly in the healthcare sector, one of the big issues that we see is you know, there's a language issue here as well, because the language of the medical environment is far more complicated than, you know, kind of standard English. You know, or standing in line at you know, McDonald's or Sonic ordering a burger is a very different experience to you know, being in a operating room asking for certain kinds of drugs or you know, kind of certain procedural instruments or things like that. So are they having to wrestle with overcoming some of that natural language barriers as well? You're spot on. Um, AI is having a tremendous impact on voice. Natural language is, is part of that. Machine learning is part of that. Even I had a, a conference call two weeks ago with a group of doctors in Germany who are using voice, AI, and blockchain. So this is, this is going on around the world. Because I talk to people internationally, and a lot of the things that are going on in the U.S. are uh, going on in Australia. They're going on in Israel. So this is a global phenomena. And, and if it took, I don't know, 10 years for people to get on board with email here, it's going to be half that time. Because it's it's so easy to use, yeah, exactly, or, or or even less, which I think is what we've seen. If, if it's anything like the consumer angle, it's even less than that. And I think that we're we're excited about where it goes. But obviously, one of the things that happens when you have a rapidly evolving technology, particularly something that's being adopted at great speed, is that it takes a while for regulation and some of the legal constraints, and particularly also some of the privacy concerns, to catch up. So I just want to turn our conversation as we begin to kind of think about wrapping up here to, to that subject particularly, is what are you seeing at the moment in terms of where the, the legislation, where the governance, and particularly you, know, you mentioned that part of our partnership here with the Open Voice Network and the research we've been conducting is thinking about standards. When it comes to healthcare, you know, we've got things like HIPAA that have obviously kind of come up, you know, kind of now there are HIPAA compliant voice devices, but you know, not 100% open door to do anything you like in the healthcare practice. What are some of maybe the blockers or some of the, the key movements that people need to be aware of in the regulatory side of things when it comes to, to voice in healthcare? JP, that's an excellent question. I think the number one concern, of course, is privacy and trust. 
and this is a sensitive topic with me, who owns the data? Who owns the data and, and what are they going to do with that data? Did I give the hospital permission to use my data? Is the hospital selling the data to the pharmaceutical companies? So there are many, many issues. And I don't know about the UK or Germany, but here in the US, I don't think Congress is prepared to answer those questions right now. And this is why um, in, in working with John and OVN, I said, we really need to be educating the members of Congress. You need to be educating the members of parliament. They got to understand the value of this technology. You know, just, that, just as they adopted to the internet and email, they need to adopt a voice, okay? And we, we need to establish guidelines to protect the public. Like right now, if you're using your, your uh, smartphone, who owns the data on your smartphone? Do you own it? Or does, does Deutsche Telekom own it? Okay. So there's many, many issues that we need to address to help the industry, the voice industry, move forward aggressively. I think it's going to take a combined effort. Um, OVN is going to do a great job in helping to educate the community. We also need to educate the consumer so that the consumer feels comfortable in buying the device and bringing it home and using the device, not to be afraid of it, to see the value and create a trade-off between his privacy and the value that they receive in exchange. It's that that trade-off is the thing that I think we're all particularly um, acutely aware of, is that we, you know, we see it even in our own data, right? We know that there is a concern amongst those that don't use these devices, sitting around about 40% of consumers that aren't using them, and that you know, privacy is, is to up there in their, their top concerns. We know that that's, that wall of privacy is being broken down over time, but at the same time, even working in the industry with the big partners, both in terms of the, the front-end experiences that we all have, as well as also the data. We all share this concern about making sure that this is maintained, that the standards are rigorous, that there's open documentation. So I, I think um, yeah, everyone listening should be hearing that, that message loud and clear that Harry's making here is you know, kind of be talking to those that have influence over these things to make sure that this is you know, maintained as a standard and that the big companies are being transparent with what they're doing with our data. And obviously within the healthcare sector, given what we've all been through, over the past 18 months in terms of COVID, we've got, you know, vaccine passports. This is a massive debate. You know, what all of this kind of data privacy thing has a halo effect on people's willingness to use technology when it comes to their healthcare. And I think we have to be super cautious about how we handle that as well. And JP, to, to that point, we all have to work together to help educate the consumer, okay, that you can trust the organization bringing you the information, have the right um, policy uh, on, on a given. So for instance, if Hospital A has their own voice platform uh, for whatever reason, that hospital has to establish their pri pri privacy policies. Every website today, every website that I see has a privacy statement, okay? And we, we need a privacy statement from everybody who's entering into the voice community. 
and more so than ever before, obviously, within the healthcare sector and also some of the other kind of sensitive sectors like finance, where, you know, antitrust and, and health is huge. Yeah. The healthcare sector is very, very important. Your private information about your health should be protected. You don't want the hospital to take the data that you're going to die in 10 months and give it to the insurance company. And the insurance company says, hey, we're not going to renew your life insurance policy uh, because uh, we, we understand that you're going to not live that long. Okay. Um, and the same thing, if I'm home and I'm using med management technology and the med management technology tells your doctor that you have not been taking your cardio medication for four days and you have a relapse and that information then is sold to the drug company and the insurance company, they can drop you. Let me tell you something. Okay. I'm excited, but I'm also concerned. And I think that's a good, that's probably a good summary of how most of us in this space are feeling about it at the moment, Harry. I think yeah, you make the point well that this is a huge opportunity. We've spoken there about the opportunity for consumers, for hospitals, for the medical sector as a, as a whole, particularly in things like surgery, but also in pharmaceuticals. That There is so much opportunity, but it has to be treated with a level of caution, a level of care, and, uh, and certainly in both your role within uh, the Intelligent Health Association, as well as also our partnership with the Open Voice Network, we want to push for an open dialogue about how that's managed in, in a trusted fashion and, and way that is safe. Harry, we're nearly out of time. So I want to ask you one last thing, if that's okay, which is to say so you started off by telling you, uh, t- talking to us a little bit about kind of how you, know, you got inspired to kind of work in this field by some of what you saw with your parents and how they were cared for in those sectors. What hope do you have for that area in particular of things like elderly care and you know, kind of end of life care when it comes to voice and how this might transform the experience for patients? JP, having a, a voice assistant in a nursing home or assisted living or aging in place with independent living, it's a godsend. The device can be uh, a companion to your parents. They can order groceries without leaving the house. They can ask questions of their physician. Um, it goes on and on and on. And also, the ROI for the company that's operating the nursing homes. Here in the United States, you have huge corporations that own three or four or 5,000 nursing homes. Where's the ROI for that corporation to provide voice assistance in every room? It's huge. It's, it's huge. And it's a benefit to the corporation. It's a benefit to the clinical staff. It's a benefit to the patient, the resident, and their family. It's huge, and I see it because we have the devices around the house, and I'm able to use the device in so many different ways. And again, it comes back to you and I and others to educate the community that, okay, there are some privacy issues, there are maybe some trust issues, but let me, let's me let talk about the benefits side. Let's talk about the benefits. So you're going to give up a little bit of your privacy, a little bit, and get this in return. 
yeah much bigger payoff than than off if, at least for, for the argument would go much bigger payoff potentially for the overall well-being for that that limitation of the privacy yeah and and you know jp let me just leave you if you're watching tv right now on your smart tv set the cable company uh whoever you're using to bring that entertainment into your home they know what channel you're watching they know how long you watch what you watch they also know the ads that you're watching. So talk about privacy. Come on. Yeah, it's uh, we we know this is not a, a privacy is not just a limited thing to voice, obviously, but yeah, it's a, a, an overall halo effect, and it's something that we want to we want to watch with care. But what I'm hearing from you, Harry, is that the overall message though is something that you see as the positive future of this. That this can be something transformational for both the the healthcare sector for those working in it, but also for those receiving care. And I think that that's that's what excites me about this. That, that that that's correct. You got to take a holistic view of the technology within health and wellness, okay? And 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 once you have this holistic picture, you realize how valuable this is and why. How could, how did I live before it? Harry, look, we're, we're pretty much out of time here. So I want to um, thank you so much for your contribution to all that you do for Open Voice Network, for all you're doing at Intelligent Health Association and for being part of this episode. For those listening, if people want to connect with you or find out more about what you do, where can they go to find out more about what you're up to and, and get involved? Yeah, www.ihassociation.org. And also, JP, one last, if you go to Amazon, order our book, Voice Technologies in Healthcare. It's on Amazon right now, Voice Technologies in Healthcare. Absolutely. Go get Harry's book. Definitely dive into this subject more. You'll find links to that and all of the other things we've mentioned here in the show notes as well. So do check that out. Head to vixenlabs.co, go to the podcast pages, and you'll find all of that extra information as well. Harry, Pete, Pappas, thank you so much for your time and uh, for being a great guest. I hope this was uh, educational, informative. Thank you. Thanks so much. You've been listening to Talking Shop from Vixen Labs. If you'd like to download any of the Voice Consumer Index 2021 resources mentioned in this episode, then head over to vixenlabs.co slash VCI, where you can get the white paper, executive summary, and more delivered straight to your inbox. Until next time, keep talking. Keep talking.